Oh my God. Thank oh, you. we're back to, was it Linda or Belinda? Or what, Linda. To... Yes, Linda has returned to speak to us. We have not been in studio for a little while because, uh, Tori, do you want to tell uh, the audience what happened a couple of weeks ago? Um, in regards to you, in regards to me, in regards to what? Because it's been kind of a cluster. It has. So I think it was, Amanda had some life stuff that happened that we won't go to in detail on this podcast. And I had messaged Tori saying, oh my God, totally forgot we're in the studio. Uh, and I'll do my best to like catch up. Tori's like, it's okay if we punt. Seriously, we can punt. It's all right if we punt. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to punt. Uh, turns out, very good idea that we punted because that week, Tori was dying of allergies. Uh-huh. Which turned into bronchitis. I'm okay now, but you'll probably hear me go at some point. Oh, God. Yeah, not fun. And I got my COVID booster and I felt like I was going to die. That is not a sign for you not to get your COVID booster. Get your fucking booster if you're eligible. But I was ready to meet the Lord. (laughs) You're like that part in the Adams family where Gomez Adams is singing Swing Low Sweet Chariot. I think Pretty that's Adam's family values, but yes. Oh, wait, maybe it is. No, it is the first Adam's family because it's about Fester. I don't know. It's all about Fester. Yeah. Never mind. I'm done. Oh my god! But uh, there were some very very fun messages exchanged between hosts about uh, mutual phases of death that they were in, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. a loving agreement that it was a good idea to punt. So we're back. Uh, we have not forgotten about you all. Uh, oh, not at we all. Just sick. Also, I bought a bag of bird buttons because, of course, I did. And <laughs> From Sophie the Magpie or something else? No, I, I had an order, just a large order placed, and I got it all. And one of them was like this thing of bird buttons. And one of them is a goldfinch, but it's missing a portion of its head. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what to do with it because I can't. Just have a goldfinch missing a portion of its head. So I have to find a home for it. I have to like put it on something. Coming to a ring soon. I just realized something really funny. So we are covering the Odyssey, right? Yes. And think about how many delays we had. It's just in theme. I'm going to give you like the smallest of hand claps. And just know that I'm not proud of you, but I'm also not disappointed. Listen, it's a I've very been... like, it's a very like Queen of England like hand clap where it's like I acknowledge your existence. Very light, very, very light. light. Uh, but yeah, we're covering the Odyssey, which was said to have been written by one person who may not have wrote it. It's a it's a whole thing. It is. Uh, what are we? What are we eating and drinking over in the respective uh, corners of the city? So initially, I was like, I have an entire bottle of ouzo left over from our Sappho episode, and then I realized <laughs> that I, I didn't really taste feel bad. like drinking ouzo, and then yeah, I had red wine, bad. and then I didn't yes. really want to drink red wine. So right now, I'm drinking Diet Coke, which is also a drink of the gods. I actually took Baron Von Cheese plate suggestion and I have some Hendrix Lunar Ooh. because of moon stuff. Fancy and ass girl. Some, 
uh, Fever Tree different. Refreshingly Light Ginger Beer. Oh, I like Fever Tree. It's oh, that's nice. Than, so here's the thing. I, I tried the... So if it's related to H-E-B, I try it. So I tried the Central Market Ginger Beer, and it just tastes like floor cleaner to me. I don't know. It's probably fine for other people, but for me, it just tasted weird. And I, I feel was like, like I need I to order. I, I feel like I need to like get that in my next grocery delivery. I was like, I really, really, really don't want to taste fine soul right now. So anyway, um, it's a little, I wonder if there's aspartame in here. It might be. Because it tastes fairly of aspartame. No. Okay. Because I'm not sure then why it tastes like that. It might actually just be the gin. It's definitely not as heavy of a ginger beer as I'm used to. I'm used to like ginger beer kind of hurting you. Right, where it's it's like the pain is part of the experience. Yeah, like ginger beer should fight you. Like there's a there's an Italian sauce. I think it's puttanesca. That means like punch in the mouth. <laughs> like I'm used to. That's what it means. I mean, like I'm white, so a lot of it is punch in the mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's pa- it's pasta puttanesca, and it means like like the sauce has like a lot going on, so it's like pasta punch in the mouth. I'm used to that being ginger beer, but it's just like whoosh, ginger. Oh. I'm also the person that just ate crystallized ginger for like a week after getting norovirus, just for fun. Yeah, I can see that. I also just eat like sushi ginger, like that stuff's delicious. I, mean, uh, I used to always avoid it. Now I'm like, oh, I could try it. It's so good. And like, it's so good if you have like stomach issues. Here I've become like the village witch pining out <laughs> ginger and pickles for, for ailments. First of all, pickles are delicious. That's, They're excellent. That's, that's still an ongoing fight. Because when you're in a partnership, it, it's almost one of those things where one of you always likes pickles and one of you hates them. Mm-hmm. So I just get all Mark's pickles. And I yes. think it's benefiting everyone in our relationship. So... Yeah, that sounds great. And then when Tori and I are out, we get like extra pickles because they're good. Like, you I mean, like eat more pickles. If we had any kind of organized garage, I'd probably be like pickling things. People going, um, although, yeah, I've got some weird taxidermy stuff that's in jars. And so Mark's always like trying to send people into my office. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Because then we're not going to have any friends. Well, like you're my friend, but you know what I mean. Anyhow. Yeah, I stayed after you closed the door on me that one time too fast. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm pretty much stuck. <laughs> it's always going to be the highlight of our friendship is like genuine panic after you locked the door behind me immediately. <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> That's called growing up near LA. Um, <laughs> I finally heard about that case. It took me knowing you for so many years to finally like understand that case. Also, this glass is still from Jensen Ackles' Terrible Brewery. And out of all the things that I didn't like, it's this glass that is my favorite thing. I just love this glass shape. It's kind of cool because the way the, the light is reflecting from, I guess, your ring light. Yes. It looks like it's some sort of potion, which ties also into today's stuff. It kind of is a potion. <laughs> I could get the other ring light that I learned has an epilepsy mode. Oh, wow. The other ring light. For, for the record, has an epilepsy mode that I am not fond of, but it also has a spiral rainbow mode that I'm very fond of. Oh, that's cool. So Amanda has two ring lights 
one of them I use just for dramatic effect and the other one makes me look like a human being and not just teeth and opinions. You great. You have to have light to show your face and yes. make sure that everything is clear. I yes. have to have low light to show my face and make sure everything is clear. We're like the opposite of the lighting spectrum. If I sat in Tori's current lighting situation, I would literally just be cleavage, teeth, and opinions. And and that would I would look I would look like a racist caricature. It would not oh, be God. a fun experience. I'd, it'd be like a full sambo. All you'd see is like lips and teeth. <laughs> oh God. So I have four sources of light in this apartment and it's still dark. I've got like the blinds closed and I'm yeah, that's always oh, fun when um, I would be doing meetings for work from here from, with my old job. Yes. And uh, it would be like midday and my face would just have lines across it coming through the thing. And I'm like, well, I'm not opening that all the way because no one's going to be able to see me. I love it. Oh, one more aside before I, we go into the short story long, which I think is longer than the book. Um, I had on... I'm very, very fond of sitting in like you girl darkness where like I'll have like the blue or purple light on, but I won't have any white light. And I ordered Uber Eats because of course I did. I'm a tired millennial. And the lady actually came to my door and waited. And I was like, yes, hello. She's like, what kind of lights do you use? Because I rounded the corner and just saw this blue beacon of light. And then it was your door. (laughs) So I can only imagine now cresting over the hill to my apartment. And just seeing this immaculate blue glow in the darkness. <laughs> and that's my house. It looks that's like a quest point. Pretty much. So speaking of quest points, let's talk about this dude's uh, terrible road trip. And I would like to point out that it is shorter than the book because the book is 24 books. It feels longer than the book, but this I don't think that that's... <laughs> I don't think that that's something to be happy about, but I respect your, I respect your correction. Okay. So the Trojan war has been about 10 years long and everyone is effing tired. Mm-hmm. Odysseus is fucked up by pissing off Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I jokingly said at the beginning, did he just accuse him of not paying child support, but whatever there, we get an answer later on. And so he hasn't been allowed to sail home in an additional 10 years. Mm-hmm. So back at home in Ithaca, where Odysseus is supposed to be ruling as the king, his son Telemachus is now about 20, and his wife Penelope is trying to keep 108 suitors from eating her out of house and home while they are all trying to convince Penelope to marry him, or them, and, mm-hmm. you know, take over this kingdom. kingdom yes. Ithaca. So the goddess, the goddess Athena is Odysseus' protector, and she finally gets Zeus to tell Poseidon to knock his crap off and let Odysseus go home. But, mm-hmm. you know, eh, Poseidon. Anyway. Yeah. Athena visits Telemachus dressed as a chieftain named Merites and is like, oh, hey, you should just go out and look for news about your dad. I heard he's still alive. And he's like, I mean, that's kind of a cool plan. Let me offer you some hospitality, which is important in, in culture, in the Greek culture. They mm-hmm. watch as the, the suitors are acting like idiots. And <clears throat> then this guy goes through a whole, uh, this bard goes through a whole narrative poem. Athena mm-hmm. get, dresses up as Telemachus, goes out and get, gets a crew and a ship for Telemachus and she's like hey you guys should all come together but the next day the real Telemachus calls citizens of Ithaca together like a group chat and says hey um what should we do about all these suitors and everyone kind of scoffs at him 
and Telemachus and disguised Athena head to the Greek mainland to go hang out with Nestor, another major figure okay. in the Trojan War. They pick up Nestor's son and then they go to Sparta, where they find Helen and Menelaus. And yes, they are back together. The Helen that started the whole Trojan War. Although I don't blame her. She was taken by Paris. Whether that was consensual or not consensual, we still don't know. They go, oh yeah. That's determined. <laughs> going through this whole long voyage through Egypt and we came across this old sea god named Proteus and Proteus is like yo Odysseus is captured and he's hanging out with this nymph named Calypso they're like oh well they also find out that Agamemnon Menelaus's brother was killed by his wife Clemenestra and her lover back at home Penelope's suitors realize Telemachus is no longer there and they're like hey that guy's a wuss let's go ahead and wait till he comes back and ambush his ship and kill him and Penelope hears all this and she's very worried about her kid also, mm-hmm. side note, this is not how you convince a woman to marry you. Um, Odysseus has been chilling with the goddess Calypso for seven years, and she is way in love with him and keeps offering him immortality, and he keeps turning it down and going, I want to go home. Uh, Hermes, the messenger god, shows up and says, uh, Zeus says you have to let him go. But it's really kind of funny, that whole part with Calypso and Hermes, it almost feels like you're having gay brunch with your bestie. And... Yeah. Um, like and then it's like hey girl you have to let him go he's just not good for you and she's like fine so anyway Odysseus builds a raft gets supplies from Calypso and heads out Poseidon's like oh hell no I'm not gonna make this easy on you and wrecks his raft and the sea nymph I I think it's I know or Io helps Odysseus get safely to the shore on this island called Shiri the home of the Phaeacians the man you're the classics major Uh, the man is he is naked he is exhausted he crawls into a bunch of leaves and goes to sleep he wakes Mm -hmm. up the next day to girls laughing at him nausicaa who is the princess of the island has come ashore with her maids because athena told her to in a dream and she just goes cool that sounds legit um odysseus is like can you help me out nausicaa tells him to hit up her parents arete and alcinius i don't know if i said that right close enough for hospitality she has no idea who he is Odysseus stays with her parents for several days and asks a blind singer named Demodocus Demodocus to go into the story about the Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uh, he did not call him Oddie Boy. I did call him Oddie Boy. Oh and my I God. stopped. Um, he had a big role in that whole Trojan War and uh, big Trojan horse event, and he gets mm-hmm. all emotional and he starts to reveal his identity and start talking about his return from Troy. And we get into Odysseus story time. So this is all Odysseus from here on out. Yes. So, um, oh wait, sorry, we'll be, yeah. So they, uh, they leave from Troy. Odysseus and his men attempt a raid, but fail. And he and his 12 ships get driven off by storms, right? Yes. They end up on this island of the Lotus Eaters. Now here's the thing. The Lotus fruit causes men to forget that they were going home mm-hmm. or, you know, doing anything. Imagine smoking so much weed that your brain just doesn't work anymore. And yeah, so pretty much. Odysseus basically has to bring these guys back to the ship by force. Like, hey, you know, we were going home. So they had a, and they end up on a super nice island and they find all of this cheese and meat in a cave, which happens to belong to a cyclops named Polyphemus. Mm-hmm. Now, this giant dude comes back, rolls a massive boulder in front of the mouth of the cave, and starts eating Odysseus's crew because we're crying out loud. There are a bunch of people in his house. He's like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. So this isn't ideal. So Odysseus comes up with a plan. He pretends to be named nobody and gets Poly- Polyphemus drunk and then 
blinds him with a wooden stake. Now keep in mind they're they're doing this while to make sure that the door is open so they can actually get out. Yes. Polyphemus's neighbors come to check on him because he's been screaming, but he keeps saying, Nobody attacked me, nobody attacked me. And they laugh and they leave because no one's attacking him, right? So Odysseus and his non-eaten men hold mm-hmm. on to the underside of Polyphemus's sheep and they're let out of the cave. This is the ultimate in mutton busting. If you are not from Texas, you may not know what that is. That's when at rodeos, they have small children, sometimes don helmets, sometimes not, and jump onto the back of sheep and ride them across the arena. So anyway. As someone who did barrel racing, not safe. Not safe. All right. And this is where Odysseus messes up because Odysseus is- uh, We're like the fifth time. gets, Gets in the way a lot. So instead yeah. of just leaving and being grateful to not have been eaten, he taunts Polyphemus and goes, ha ha, my real name is Odysseus, bitch. Very stupid. Polyphemus prays to his dad Poseidon and is like, hey, I need you to curse this dude. And Poseidon, enjoying cursing people, is like, hell yes. Mm-hmm. Aeolus gives Odysseus a leather bag because he ends up on this island and it contains mm-hmm. all the winds save for the west wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, this should make sure that everybody gets home safe. And that's just because the West Wind has blown them forward. Yes. Um, but just as they're about to pull up on Ithaca, the sailors go, hey, there's this bag he got from this king that we were spending time with. Oh my gosh, it's got to have gold in it. So they open it, the wind flies out, and they end up back where they started. And uh, Odysseus goes back to the king and he's like, hey, listen, like you helped us out before and you gave us these winds. I know that you like can control them any chance you could help us out again and he's like nah you've obviously pissed off the gods i i can't even have you here bye so they end up leaving again they sail for several days and they end up on an island with man-eating giants called the lastragonians and they destroy all of their ships except for the one that odysseus is on uh there are a lot less people than the initial 12 ships y'all uh they reach the island of aea and find the witch goddess circe Circe drugs cheese and wine, and half of the remaining men turn into pigs. Mm-hmm. Hermes gives Odysseus an herb called Molly, which makes me laugh my ass off because all I can think of is club drugs. And warns, him, <laughs> warns him about Circe, so he's resistant to her magic. I'm yeah. sorry, I need a brief pause. Any year you have it spelled circle, and that is much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> That's called, I misspelled that. <laughs> See, I kept laughing because all I could think of is Hermes, like, Standing off like Molly. I mean, Molly that sounds no like something that he would do, though. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds accurate. He'd be like, yo, I was just hanging out with Dionysus and he gave me this. You want to try it? Yes. So, anyway, he ah, knocking stuff over. Um, Odysseus rolls up and uh, says, Hey, uh, you need to turn my guys back into men this is weird but keep in mind he shows up on this island and there's this cottage is clearly out of the way of everyone and there's a bunch of very docile animals that have human tendencies and his men just roll up like give me some hospitality no one was thinking hey maybe this is a bad idea anyway so he is evidently seduced by her ends up spending a year with her and then she gives him instructions on how to get out of the harbor and get to the western edge of the world which is a place to sacrifice to the dead. And there yes. he does some magic and he summons up the spirit of Tiresias 
and who says that Odysseus can return home if he manages to keep his idiot crew from eating Helios's sacred livestock. Helios is like a sun god. If yes. they eat that yes. stuff, the ship and the crew are going to be lost. So yes. he ends up spending some time out there talking or in, um, I'm like, what do they call it? Hades. Um, talking to a bunch of dead people, very famous people that he fought in the Trojan War with, who are all like, hey, including uh, Metanileus, who is like, bitches ain't shit for like an entire Accurate. passage. He's bitching about his wife. I'm going to talk to y'all about Clemenestra and why she is falsely accused, just so we're all clear. Because of course I would, right? Anyway, mm -hmm. they leave the dead. They go back to Aia and, and Cersei gives them more instructions to head out. Uh, they encounter the siren bird ladies. The crews put beer wax in their ears. Beer wax. Beer wax. No, beer and, wax now. Well, it's because I read the next line. But Odysseus wants to be Zach Baggins and instead wants to be tied to the post so he, he can hear the siren song and survive. So Ugh. basically he like goes up, fight me. And then he's like, oh, you guys need to untie me. I need to go to them. Like anyway, um, <laughs> he tells his men not to untie him because then he would end up drowning himself. And anyway, True. they're dealing with some drama. They go through um, this monster whirlpool called Charybdis, as well as a six-headed monster named Skyla or Scylla, mm -hmm. depending on who you are. Um, and six of Odysseus men get eaten by Skyla. So that's fun. It's basically like all these monsters kind of heads kind of coming down and eating you. Um, mm -hmm. So Odysseus decides to try and avoid the island where Helios's cows are being held. But Zeus causes a storm and he keeps them from leaving the island. And soon all their supplies from Circe have been depleted. Um, mm -hmm. Odysseus goes to pray. And while he's going to pray to the gods to ask for a solution, his men eat the sacred cattle of Helios. What's the one thing they're not supposed to do? Eat the sacred cattle of Helios. In all so, fairness, that has been the trend of the entire trip, is let's do the oh, exact opposite of what we were supposed to do. Exactly. So Helios tells Zeus they need to be punished. So of course the ships are wrecked, and all but Odysseus drowns as he clings to a fig tree, and he washes up on Calypso's island. So, back to the Phaeacians, I'm sorry. But see, now you know that I, I mispronounce everyone equally. Are we clear? Um, we're clear. And they're blown away by this story. They agree to give Odysseus a bunch of treasures, more than he would have received from fighting in Troy. Okay. They drop him off at a, a hidden harbor on Ithaca under cover of darkness. And he wakes up and he's like, where the hell am I now? But Athena shows up and tells him where he is because, you know, she's trying to watch over him. She has him hide his treasure in a nearby cave and disguises him as an old beggar so he can see what nonsense is going on back at home without immediately being killed. He runs into one of his old slaves, Hermes, I think, who treats him well and talks about how much he loved Odysseus. Like, hey, this guy was really cool. I miss him. All these guys are, who are here right now are total losers. Telemachus yes. comes back from Sparta and manages to avoid a suitor ambush. And he runs into Odysseus, who tells him who he is, and they decide they're going to team up and kill the suitors. But they don't tell Eumaeus. The suitors mock Odysseus in his disguise because he's dressed like a no bigger man, um, and particularly one named Antius. Odysseus talks to Penelope and tests her intentions, but also advises her that he knows that, you know, Odysseus has recently been wandering and he's probably okay. Eurycleia, mm -hmm. an older housekeeper, recognizes Odysseus by a scar on his foot. He's like, don't, no, 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 don't tell her, don't tell her. Um, they end up kind of figuring out um, certain things, but again, Penelope doesn't recognize him and so it hasn't been reached out yet. Athena does some prompting and says, hey Penelope, 
you know, to get the suitors to compete for your hand, you should do an archery competition, but they have to use Odysseus's bow. And this is mm-hmm. a really big deal because Odysseus's bow is incredibly heavy and incredibly hard to bend back. Before yes, Odysseus, yes. it's always been no sweat. So all of these guys are going to have to string and shoot it through a dozen axe heads, like axe heads that have holes in them. They are small yes. holes, right? Like it goes off anyway, it's going to be screwed up. So of course, Odysseus enters the contest and he's the only one to be able to string it and mm-hmm. shoot it. And he gets it through all 12 axe heads, no problem. He then throws off his rags and decides it's killing time and kills all the other suitors. Um, yes. What pisses me off though is then he and Telemachus have 12 household maids who have sex with the suitors hung. And Odysseus reveals himself to Penelope and she asks him something about their marriage bed and he's able to answer it. And it's supposed to be this big romantic scene. Well, here's where we have our deus ex machina because Athena basically has to come down and be like, hey, nobody's gonna fight anymore. Because if you think about it, every single one of these suitors' families has a right to claim vengeance. But they can't told them no the end okay so on a scale of one to five how much do you hate me for making us read this um i don't hate you because i've read it before and i got to hear ian mckellen read it which was kind of fun and also i I found out i completely missed when i was initially um reading this in like high school and stuff Mm -hmm. um there is so much stuff about Greek God worship in this mm-hmm. um, and Hellenistic practice, like setting out certain um, amounts of alcohol at certain times and giving a wine to Hermes last and, you know, the kind of conversations that you have and which gods you shouldn't piss off and which gods will help you. And like, mm-hmm. there's so much cultural context in this that it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but I love it. Anyway. So I think what happens for a lot of uh, American children is that we get a super abridged version of this. Oh, yeah. It's that because like, yeah, I also when I read when I what when I read over it the first few times when I was younger. Yeah, I missed a lot of that stuff, too. And then, you know, as I started reading it more and more when I was older and I had to translate this in the Aeneid from Latin to English, which was not fun. That was my Latin senior project. This feels, was, this just feels rude. We were given a copy of the Aeneid in Latin, and we had to translate that back to English. But, but why? Why? Well, because now I have my AP Latin medal right over here uh, off camera. And I can point to that whenever people are like, why aren't you dating or married? It's right over there uh but yeah okay so i think i put this at the end of the outline but i think we need to get this out of the way because it ties into your first point about intelligence versus strength and cunning is that when we're talking about classical greco-roman heroes they're not heroes like how we in the west or even the east uh think about a hero nowadays because when we say hero we're thinking about like your Captain Americas, your Supermans, sometimes your Batmans, even though he's not technically a superhero. And if you say he's a superhero, I'm going to punch you in the neck. He doesn't have superpowers. His superpower is being rich. He's a hero, not a superhero. Technically, he's a vigilante. Um, 
I'm not fighting you on any of it. Because there's no fight, because I'm because I'm right. Yeah, no, you're oh. right. That's why there's no fight. Uh but a classical hero, typically there was this whole thing that they're pretty much trash. They remain trash. They have this like divine flaw that they're supposed to be working through. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And it's usually not like a super, there's not a cathartic end to it the way we know it. The original Greek word for catharsis is basically just like a conclusion. Like it's being able to like have some kind of emotional feeling at all. We've warped that into it feeling satisfactory. True catharsis is not necessarily satisfactory. It's just a feeling. So a lot of people, when they were watching these uh, epics played out, because they were oral traditions, so, you know, you and your kids around the campfire and someone's, you know, doing like slam poetry of the Odyssey. <laughs> it's slam poetry night <laughs> at the oh, amphitheater. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just picturing it. Slam poetry night. So actually my university does have an amphitheater. Like we have a very small amphitheater outside. So like there were some times that we would like our poetry class, like, okay, we're gonna go have class out in the amphitheater. We would we would do that sometimes. That's if you, cool, though. Yeah, like we had like a small brick amphitheater and like, oh my God, like we'd have coffee there all the time. Uh, 2022, Amanda takes Tori to tour my alma mater. I wanna go. You get to meet all the cats. I want to just play with all the cats. I'm just going to be like, hi, friends. I've made an army. Oh, there, there is an army. You get to see the St. John's wart that grows wild because I'm assuming some person was a witch. Because otherwise there is no reason for St. John's wart to be growing wild on a college campus. But yeah, so we have to get over the fact that like uh, Odysseus isn't a hero in the way that we would think that he's heroic. I'm like listening to him. And all this stuff, he doesn't sound like a hero. He doesn't sound like a good guy. He sounds like every air quotes alpha male that is trying to make me his Nubian princess on Bumble. You're not wrong. I've seen the messages sometimes. <laughs> every once in a while, Amanda will screenshot something that comes through and be like, is this, what is this? It's like, what is, what is mid? <laughs> What is straight men? Why? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Why am I tired? Uh, Tori has been privy to this, and I'll let the audience know. Uh, I, Amanda has been playing a very fun game of Am I burned out? Am I tired? Or am I depressed? <laughs> or is it all three? Yeah, it's, there's a distinct possibility. It's actually all three, and it is not fun. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about how uh, Odysseus probably doesn't feel very heroic to us, and there's a reason for that. There's a, a really good Crash Course mythology video on like the Greco-Roman heroes and like some Joseph Campbell stuff. Also, if you haven't watched Crash Course mythology. Like, Mike Rugnetta is an amazing host, and I love him. Uh, I definitely think that they were doing their best. There are some episodes that aren't great, for sure. Uh, <laughs> like, some of the way that they handle, like, some of the Native American stuff is a little like, okay, I see where you're going there. 
but like they have a really good episode on some of this stuff because yeah like i know when i was younger it's like oh odysseus is a hero like odysseus is like one of my aunts that we don't talk about odysseus is kind of a jerk and lies to a lot of people yeah Um, like it's like no odysseus sounds like that uncle that everyone has and we just don't talk about What's interesting is, is, and you'll see this in ancient sagas, in you know Norse mythology and Icelandic mm-hmm. culture, and even I haven't really read any Finnish, so I don't want to put that in their mouth. Um, but there's this concept of strength and cunning, um, mm-hmm. of strength versus cunning, rather. So you have some people who are incredibly strong, but not necessarily all that bright. Mm-hmm. And then the way that certain figures survive, so example like. Odin is very well known for his cunning and his ability Mm -hmm. to kind of walk through a situation. Loki Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Loki tends to get caught more often, but he also fixes his problems more often. But that's a whole other thing. Um, He also is probably one of the horniest. I mean, Dionysus is up there too. I said Um, one of. One of. So it's just kind of fascinating, um, especially when you're looking at the other stuff, because, you know, the common man wasn't necessarily super buff. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you had a lot of people who were farmers. You had a lot of people mm-hmm. who were never going to go more than five miles from their homeland. Mm-hmm. And so to have somebody telling this whole story about, oh, I traveled the world and this is what happened and I got trapped, but this is how I got out of it. That was mm-hmm. like, a whole, that was like going to the movies. That was like, yeah, travel logs. That was their, like, we're going to go listen to this, this guy tell the story that we, we know the basics of, and they're going to, you know tell it in different ways or put it in a different order but we're gonna know exactly what happens and where it goes and how he got through this yeah Um, for sure so we have a very different concept of divine justice now as well Mm -hmm. Um, like especially because i mean amanda and i live in a country that's supposed to have separation of church and state but is very much based on christian principles um (laughs) that not just christian like protestant enlightenment like it's not even just christian because like fuck even like just christian may give us more leniency than what we have like it's definitely we are based in protestant like enlightenment everyone thinks they're doing a good job but not really right that there is no room for there is no wiggle room and so what's really fascinating too and and yes catholicism does have a lot of pagan practices in it but so does every freaking religion y'all anyway. yeah i mean it's, it's a concept of there's only one and we're doing it right i mean i think it's more of that was thrown at catholics a lot because you remember the kkk is also super anti-catholic uh-huh uh so yeah, that might be something that y'all don't remember is that the KKK is super anti-Catholic as well as like obviously being like anti-Black and anti-Jewish. Mm-hmm. So like those pagan aspects have been lobbed against Catholics really technically since like Martin Luther, but those were reinforced by the KKK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once more, thanks to white supremacy, they ruin everything. And guess what part of America has a shocking amount of Black Catholics? Ding, 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 ding. Did you guess the South? Yeah, if you guess the South, you're entitled to one cookie because you're probably really sad now. Yup. So, yeah, like, the, the paganism in Catholicism is usually, like, really elevated because, like, realistically, if you look at a Lutheran church, you all have all the same fucking stained glass and Oh, we've got the same altars. shit. You have we all just, the same shit. 
but it, we used to joke all the time that we were the Diet Coke of Catholic. Yeah, like that's, I think that was the thing that always like stuck in my craw about like Lutherans talk. Because like some of the Baptists can, I guess like air quotes, talk a little bit of shit. Not like the Creflo Dollar Baptists. Like, tell me you know about Creflo Dollar. I don't and I'm frightened. Creflo Dollar is a televangelist who uh, when he told his congregation what he needed, he said he needed a jet. He told his congregation that he needed money for a jet. And uh, he famously said, I bought, I think it was like a boat, I bought this boat in cash. And then like when the congregation went quiet and because there's so much jealousy in the room, I bought another bigger one. He was like, there's not jealousy in the room. They're upset that you don't pay taxes. And you said that you need this boat for missionary work. You're not doing missionary work on a pleasure yacht. Right. Like, I, I wish you were, but you're not. Uh, Creflo Dollar also recently came out and said that uh, Pokemon is the reason that so many people are homosexual. Uh, which, sure. I guess. Sure. John Oliver does an episode on televangelists and Creflo Dollar is in there, but like he's one of the infamous televangelists in a lot of like black households, like him and T.D. Jakes and Joel Olstein, the fucking bitch. Olstein and Joel Olstein. So mad. So mad. Yeah. Just, just in case you guys were wondering, prosperity gospel is bullshit. It preys upon the like most disenfranchised people intentionally. I also hate when prosperity gospel like tells people uh, not to seek medical help. Mm-hmm. Like this was also in the John Oliver episode where there was like one televangelist who was saying, you know, why go to chemo? All they're going to do is pump you full of poison that makes you sick. Or you could come to Sunday service. And it's like, do you know what you just said? You just told people to skip chemo. That's, That's not. Fault. Yeah, that's a no. <laughs> the worst, the worst thing that my Catholic priest did as a kid, and I'm not opening this up for anyone to say shit. Just know um, that door is closed. Not you, but like audience. I'm just saying Lutherans don't have a leg to stand on. We had witch trials too. But uh, I meant more like molestation and stuff. That is not a door open for any of you. But ours let us out one Sunday because the Cowboys were playing. He's like, I'm gonna wrap this up. <laughs> That was the worst thing that he did. He's like, we got to go. Football. <laughs> we got to go watch the Cowboys lose. I love that you you just went with, we got to watch the Cowboys lose because you knew, you knew the assignment was going to get messed up. The, oh my God. The Dallas Cowgirls are America's worst team. If you If you say that you like the Cowboys and that's like your personality, you're a fucking liar. The Dallas Cowgirls have not like successfully done anything since probably like the 1980s. If you are still a Cowgirls fan, I want to know who you are. And I want to know why. Because if you're thinking because like Troy Aikman and shit, that man's dead. I'm kidding. He's not dead. Like he's not doing anything. He can't save your beloved team. No one knows what they're doing. They built this giant ass stadium that they can't use because they keep missing field goals. Today, Amanda discusses sports. You haven't met sports anger, Amanda, have you? I don't know. All I can hear in the background is do 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 do. Yeah, you haven't 
You haven't heard sports anger, Amanda, before, have you? Fun fact, almost got into a fight at a Mariners game because a Detroit's Tiger fan was saying uh, racial things at Ichiro Suzuki. Don't be what? racist. Well, Where were you the- at a Mariners game? Because I was in Seattle. Okay. That's why I got real confused for a second. I was like, what? I teleported to Seattle to see baseball. <laughs> That's what I was like, um, what? Yeah, I teleported to Seattle to see baseball. Uh, okay, so you want to talk about how going home is actually, like, trash often? So this is funny because we just had Thanksgiving yesterday in the States. We did. Um, and if you spend a lot of time on TikTok, you saw a ton of videos about people being freaked out about going home. Just fucking um, heartbreaking videos. I know, like, part of me wanted to just be like, next year I'm just staying home and I'm just going to be like, okay, all my gays, you can come over. Like, I will co-sign with you on that. If you need someone to help you cook, I will absolutely co-sign with you on that. And here's like, the thing. My, my family yes. is awesome and I love I love them. Um, mm-hmm. They do have very different ideas than I have about mm-hmm. a lot of things. But, like we are able to hold that rule of we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about politics. We're not talking mm-hmm. about the Texas governor as much as I want to. Um, we Fuck are going to, we're going to talk about bad TikTok videos, funny yes. stuff that we saw and cat videos. And we're yes. going to play with my mom's cats and we're going yes. to like, just be weird and have fun mm-hmm. and drink champagne. And we get through the holidays. Great. Mm-hmm. But I know so many people who are like, yeah, I hate my family. I don't talk to my family or yeah, I got kicked out when I was 15 or, Mm. um, yeah, I came out as gay. So no one in my family wants to talk to me or I am a leftist. So no one in my family wants to talk to me (laughs) like, or I'm native American and this is a day of mourning. Like there's, there's so many aspects when you're like, you don't fit into the mold anymore that you grew up in, or you, in some cases, you no longer have those patterns that made you palatable to certain people yeah Uh, definitely that and that's kind of weird with Odysseus too like when he first shows back up I mean like he's been wanting to go home and wanting to go home and wanting to go home Mm -hmm. um and then he gets there and he's like what the fuck is this um yeah I mean to to kind of piggyback on that like that's something that I always really liked about reading like the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and stuff was that at the end of the journey like you go back home after all of that and it's hard like you don't fit in anymore like you aren't the same person and a lot of people have that feeling after going to college mm-hmm. I know I did like I definitely had that uh there's a there's a death cab for cuties song uh that's titled uh, you are a tourist and uh and the line is uh when you feel like a tourist in the city you were born in it's time to go and like I had that like on my wall when I was living at home after college because like a dumb vision board thing because I didn't feel like I was home anymore. I didn't feel like I was at home with my family. I didn't feel like I was at home in the city that I had lived in my entire life. Right. And it was really, it was hard. Um, but yeah, like to see Odysseus kind of return this like feral man <laughs> and like not really knowing how to fit back in mostly because of like bad decisions he made in all fairness not necessarily because of like oh 100 you know, life-changing trauma like 99 percent of this stuff was completely like fixable if he had just not been a dick um 
but yeah like it, it reminded me a lot of that part of like the lord of the rings where it's like yeah you can't return home again and oftentimes you have to wander uh that's also a part of the hero's journey by joseph campbell that no one talks about is that usually yeah you can't go back home uh it's why you see it so often in themes with heroes like you think about your star wars you know luke can't go home again not just because it doesn't exist but because he's not that person anymore not just because the moisture farm got blown up i mean the building was still there he could go back to farming moisture he just he can't like he's that's not the kind of person he is he has to go live on a weird fish nun island with cute digital puffins what and just my brain was like oh yeah they are technically fish nuns aren't they they are fish nuns is that (laughs) It's, and porgs are the best thing that have ever existed because they are puffins with digital costumes. <laughs> puffins. Let's say you knew that, didn't you? That makes sense based on like the island structuring. Because okay, yeah. So for those, so, like so for those of you who were like, Amanda just had a stroke and said a sentence. Um, <laughs> Amanda just clearly had a stroke and said words. Uh, the porgs in Star Wars actually just digital costumes over puffins because they're a protected species on the island they were shooting on so they couldn't just like scare them away they had to just keep the puffins in the shot so it got easier instead of digitally removing every puffin to just put a little digital skin on the puffins and that's how we got porgs i love it so much they're just puffins with little cgi coats to make them into porgs and i love that so much please don't eat them please don't eat them they're delicious apparently and also puffins are delicious so it makes sense (laughs) uh but yeah going home sucks sometimes and uh i mean again like odysseus's reasons for going for like having a hard time at home were his fault and he's an idiot but like it's valid so if you feel that during the holidays uh we're here for you and we understand i will definitely make sure that tori links that song if you want some good old-fashioned feelings and i'm like questionable music (laughs) if you haven't listened to death cab for cutie in a thousand years yeah i was just thinking like wait a minute when did i listen to that like 10 years ago when so this guy oh my gosh it was a i was home after thanksgiving brunch and i was on tiktok and simple plan and papa roach were doing a set what year is it and papa roach was singing i'm just a kid with the lead singer of simple plan and i'm like i don't know what year this is i don't know when the last time i heard this song but i still know every single word i don't know what's happening like the words simple plan and papa roach did a set live on tiktok it's not something that i ever expected to need this on thanksgiving no less i just Okay, was, if you see me clicking, clicking on the side or looking over, it's because yes. I have this really stupid cat game. And if I press this button, then it gives me more of their money, which is COD. It's a whole thing. Just go with it. So Tori has ADHD and found a dopamine thing. I found just a dopamine like a man- thing. Nobody just can like see me giving you the thumbs up and the, uh-huh. But I felt it. But, uh. Also, Amanda has a dopamine thing, which is why her Nintendo Switch is just off camera. Um, 
So we need to talk a little bit about temptation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Odysseus is tempted by a lot of things. In his very slight defense, they are things that would tempt mortal beings. Sex. Cheese. (laughs) For the first time ever, I went for sex and you went for cheese. I'm just thinking cheese. That's probably some really nice cheese. I mean, they were talking about how pretty good that that cheese and bread and wine was in the yeah, that was probably del- house. That was probably delicious. Yeah, like that's that's probably some good shit. <laughs> Amanda's hungry, if you can't tell. <laughs> but uh, you know, people would sometimes you know in readings of this give Odysseus shit for like, oh, well, he gave in to temptation too easily. Bitch, you'd be tempted too. Shut up. Oh, you're tired. It's been like almost a decade since you've been home people are offering you comfort and food sorry why is waco trending i don't want to fucking know i don't oh. want to know okay so so just as a thing when you live in texas when you see waco trending you pray you pray that it is the magnolia farms and not like a resurgence of a cult okay like <laughs> at one point in time and this was in the 80s when this book was written that like some government board had done a, a review and there were like 284 cults in texas and most of them were drug related like i'm not shocked it like okay here's the thing what happens is they form in texas and then mm-hmm. they go to california and commit suicide oh, and oh. then texas like doesn't get as much as a rap but we have had the longest siege on American soil in Texas. Yeah, we have. We're not a good state. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> which still exist. Anyway. <laughs> Amanda may be tired, but it's like, we're not a, we're <laughs> not a good state sometimes. <laughs> I mean, but then we do things like have goat mares that guzzle beer so well not anymore they're dead now but you know Yodum. yodo that was that was my mayor back home when i was a kid he was actually a great black man uh okay do you want to talk about omens or hospitality and food i want to talk about hospitality and food okay uh don't be a dick to your guests and don't be a dick as a guest and the reason that this was such a big deal in greek culture is the fact that they believed that the gods could take human form and walk among them so you never knew if the gods were going to come to your house and be like hey bro can i have some cheese um and if you were like get the hell out of here i don't know who you are there were chances that uh the gods could strike you down or yeah um, misfortune or misfortune on you i was gonna say displeasure their displeasure but then my words got jumbled it's okay there are some christian stories like this as well that it's like you know treat everyone as if it was jesus at the door which i mean sure also like there used to be traveling like christian and like catholic monks that would just like go around um famously saint francis of assisi would carry a little bag of ash uh so whenever he was offered a meal he would sprinkle the ash on it to deaden the taste because food was sustenance not pleasure the look that tori just gave me (laughs) it's always fun when you're having a crisis of faith and you're like but why i mean like it it was to it was to scave off the uh the sin of gluttony which you'll be able to appreciate this so in animal crossing on my on my island 
already named after Stolas. There is a the Paradise <laughs> Vacation Homes planning. <laughs> I have named all of the buildings after goetic demons. So you can go to you can go to Marbus General Hospital. You can go to Cafe <laughs> Belfagor. I just need to go tour your island. I'm you also can visit afraid. the restaurant Fornius, or you can visit Astaroth's Secret, <laughs> which is my favorite. It's Have the you told your therapist story. any of this? Of course not. No grippy sock vacation for us. No grippy sock vacation. So Astaroth's Secret is my favorite. <coughs> Because he was the goetic demon over vanity. So is this like your demonic version of Victoria's Secret? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the buildings are goth. Like everything's like a black and red color scheme. I don't even know how you get, you're able to do that. Was that like an update after I stopped playing? Yeah. The, the Paradise Planning DLC where it's like a whole like vacation resort town. Yeah, it's you'd love it. I would love it. So yeah, if you visit my paradise planning island, everything is either a goetic demon. Well, now I want to play and I want to just set up different halls. Like I want to have <laughs> Freya's hall. Don't leave Amanda to do things. Hella will just be on the far side hanging out. Anyway, so. I'm going to get to Athena, but I want to talk about women who are used to measure against Penelope and throughout okay. this book. Um, Penelope is treated as like the, the quintessential woman. She is chaste. She has waited for her husband, even though she's had 108 suitors at her door mm-hmm. trying to get her and, and all the food and, and things that she has. Um, one of the first women mentioned in this play is Clemenestra. Now, this is where I defend Clemenestra, and part of this is coming from an amazing book that's coming out early next year called um, Pandora's Jar, and I will include a link in our show notes, but what it talks about is before, I believe it was Agamemnon went to war, he was, there was like some kind of skirmish or something nearby, and he wanted to uh, do prophecy with the gods, and so he ended up killing their daughters to do so. And I mean, obviously, Clemenestra was not involved in this decision. So he kills her kids, right? Goes off to war. So while he's gone, she's planning her revenge because these were her babies. And so she and her her eventual lover end up killing Agamemnon right when he gets back home. Like, you're done. Bye. And so, like, when he's talking about her, Agamemnon's talking about her, in the land of the dead he's just going into this whole thing about like bitches ain't shit you can't trust women you know you'll go off to war to defend your country and you'll come back and she's been cheating with some guy and she'll just kill you and it's like there's so much more to that story than gets told because they want to show that you know women are fragile and emotional and it's like dude you literally killed children to try and figure out if you were going to do okay in battle you want to talk about fragile um Calypso is represented as kind of this desperate nymph, which is a shame because she's supposedly very beautiful and very loving. And she's trying to get Odysseus to accept immortality. Like, hey, buddy, you know, I think you're great. Here, let me give you immortality. And he's like, eh, I don't want to deal with it. Um, 
Circe court, or her original name pronunciation was Kirke, which I told Mark I wasn't going to be that person, but I am that person. Um, ends up maybe or maybe not being his lover, um, being Odysseus's lover. Um, she tries to seduce him at one point in time, and he makes like basically makes this whole thing about how um, she can't cut off his penis because Hermes warns him when he's doing the whole Molly thing of like, here, take this. Um, also, if she tries to seduce you, tell her she can't cut off your dick. Like, yes. what? Um, I haven't read the the fiction book that somebody wrote about her. I want to, though. But it's fascinating to me because she's chilling on this island by herself. She is daughter of Helios, I believe it was, and um, part of the sea or personification of the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, she does her own thing. But she's also kind of like a chemist. So she's doing all these like spells and things like that. But um, I found this really fascinating video on YouTube and I do have it in our show notes where they were talking about how Hermes is is talking about the certain plant that counteracts these effects, right? And they call it Molly. Well, in Russia, they found a plant that actually matches that exact description. And it was actually used to help block certain, um, I think inhibitors in the brain and do certain things. So there's a belief that Cersei maybe wasn't turning people actually into animals, but making them feel like they were having that experience. So yeah, it could be based um, on a real person. So also they found out at the uh, in in Delphi where the Oracle was that they were under a huge methane deposit. Uh-huh. So all them visions were probably just folks tripping balls. Like so. I do like that there's a lot of um I'm gonna say science very loosely here but like science to back up a lot of this stuff um there's a cool documentary that History Channel did I think it's for free now on YouTube that it's like the magic of the gods and a lot of it's like Galen's inventions and stuff like that where it's like oh here's a steam-powered offering machine that just existed or like his Zeus statue that moved because if you moved a certain way, it like activated like very primitive robots and stuff like that, but also very, very, very sound robots. Uh, like the fact that the Baghdad battery may have revealed to us what uh, the Ark of the Covenant was, that it was like electroplated and probably like gave you a little shock when you touched it. That is, if you don't subscribe to the ancient alien theory that it was a nuclear reactor to power the mana machine, which gave people little soylent wafers of food in the desert. Is this like that time I went to contact in the desert and the guy next to me saw my friend's picture of the Jesus icon on his phone and very calmly looked at me and said, did you know that Jesus was an alien? So the mana machine prophecy uh, thing was, hypothesis was the word I was going for. I think that was Von Daniken. I want to say that was Von Daniken. And he basically said, you know, the Israelites when they were in the desert, that, you know, they said they survived on manna. Well, how did they do that? Like, what is manna? And the story goes, you know, it's like bread flakes from God. Like when you feed fish, you just like sprinkle some manna and (laughs) what? Just imagining like this concept of this big robed figure in the sky sprinkling. That's pretty much that's that's how. Yeah. So the hypothesis is that the mana machine was actually like a nuclear powered like generator that was fueled by the Ark of the Covenant, which was also nuclear powered. 
I don't know where they're getting all this nuclear energy from. I don't have Gobeki Tekli, something like that. I don't know. I don't know where they're getting all this nuclear energy from. Yeah, I'm like, uh... but they are. So the Mana Machine was nuclear powered and it spit out these like advanced, nutritious, like Soylent wafers. And that's Mana. I, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I, I don't know. That this is just something that I can like pull out of my quiver. I'm just thinking about the fact that right now everybody in the background, because normally I do this in the bedroom, can hear my chair squeaking in my office. I don't mind it. I don't think it's bad. You haven't had a cat sighting though. No, I'm surprised. Normally they're in here and they're like, what up? I noticed you're doing stuff and it's not petting me. So maybe you could mm-hmm. stop and scritch. Yep. Yes, they deserve all of the scritches. I hopefully get to see them soon again. Uh, okay, so we talked briefly about omens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about hospitality and food. We talked about how women are measured against Penelope. Uh, do you want to lump Athena into just like some general uh, Greek Roman deity stuff? Sure. Uh, firstly, Go buy uh, the Women's Book of Myths and Secrets because that was my like intro into feminism and myth. Yeah, and it will change. Huh? Said I'm putting it on my list. Oh, it's that was like, that was a book that I used as a source a lot in some of my essays in college. And it's just a great book to have, uh, you know, if you like feminism and the occult. Uh, I mean, bitch, you know I do. It's like, bitch, those are my two favorite things. (laughs) So it's it's funny to talk about Greco-Roman divine practice, considering that uh, Victoria has unfortunately made me come to the conclusion that on TikTok, there is a sizable group of people who think that ancient Rome was a conspiracy theory and never existed. That... It hurts my brain so much, especially as somebody who has been all over the UK and literally seen evidence of Roman inhabitation. I've literally been to Flavian's amphitheater. I've been to Pompeii. I, what? Are those just crispy Greeks? Am I going to get in trouble for saying, this chick is American, right? Who's saying oh, all yeah. this? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. She's... Who else would claim her? <sighs> She's awful. Uh, but of course, you know, this is a polytheistic uh, religion, multiple gods. They did believe heavily in divine intervention, as in like, you're right. The gods, they were watching. It was like, you know, CCTV. They knew what was going on, but also that the gods were capricious and petty. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't very just human. Very human. And uh, that's both a flaw and a feature. Uh, it's a flaw in that the gods can get caught up into normal petty human drama, like the Trojan fucking war. Mm-hmm. Or it's a feature because they can understand where we're coming from, where it's, oh, well, like scorned women often praying to Hera because she's been cheated on a bunch. She understands because she's been watching her husband go around dicking down swans and shit. Like she gets what? 
<laughs> what? Taking down swamps. But am I wrong? <laughs> That's just a phrase I was not expecting to hear on a Saturday morning. It like is one twelve. It is one twelve, ma'am. You've had plenty of time to warm up. <laughs> but yeah, like so, Hera understands. Hera gets it. Like she's been there. So you know when you are mad and you pray to Hera, like you know, oh my husband, he's been cheating. She's like, I see you, fam. And, you know, she got you. She understands rather than like omnipotent gods who are necessarily as anthropomorphic who might not get it who don't understand who are like you know divinely good and divinely holy uh fun fact that always made like confession really hard because it turns all of your negative into a sin so rather than saying hey i understand that like jealousy is a human emotion your measuring rod is fucking christ Christ is is how you measure yourself. So, especially when I was younger growing up in the church, I was a horny, emotional teenager. So to have my feelings that my divining rod, that my, my measuring stick was fucking Christ, <laughs> that's a hard standard to live up to for anyone. Oh, hell, Erica. Like, that's. Let alone a traumatized 15, 16 year old. Who's just literally doing her best or their best or his best. Yeah, like, or, like, that was that was hard. And I think that's partially why we're seeing such a big resurgence, especially like if you spend a lot of time on TikTok, um, mm-hmm. if you've ended up on Witch Talk, um, or if you started off on Mythology Talk and now you're on Witch Talk. Um, mm-hmm you're going to see a lot of kids and stuff who are drawn to figures like Hades and Mm -hmm. Persephone and um, Loki and even just some like really cool things from um, Celtic lore. You're Mm -hmm. starting to see this resurgence of, I'm going to go after the thing that feels more human, the thing that tells me that when I screw up, I can start again and I'm okay. And I think the the problem is... um, it's for me it's not that there's a problem with christ it's not that there's a problem with the christ figure there's a problem with the legalism that goes with it there's a problem with the um the concept of oh you screwed up you're going to hell like um where a lot of people just kind of give up because they're like well you know obviously i've done something wrong like now i'm gonna have to do all this stuff to like make up to it where instead of it's like i screwed up i've made amends Mm -hmm. now i'm moving on and i'm going to do something And so you're starting to see yeah. more and more of that, of people actually having self-compassion. And, mm-hmm. and I think part of that also comes with our understanding of mental health issues and the fact that as a culture, we're starting to embrace that a little bit more of, it's okay for you to go to a therapist. In fact, it's encouraged mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, my mom's generation where, you know, if you had depression, you didn't talk about it. Like, going back through our family history and seeing how many people on both sides of my family off to themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish I had had that information when I was 15 and I was like, everything is horrible. What's going on? Because then that would have been, Hey, maybe we should start looking at depression treatments a little sooner than this. Or, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not, 
a dirty little secret anymore to have depression. Mm -hmm. It's a, okay, cool. Let's find a treatment pattern. And I mean, in some, in some culture, it still is, you know, in some areas it's still, you know, people are like, oh, I I can't talk about this, but it's Mm -hmm. so much healthier to do so. It's so much healthier to have that support. I think the only other caveat that I would add to that is a social media started to do that thing that we did back in like the Zanga and Tumblr days Uh where like untreated mental illness is also super glorified. Yeah, we, uh, I don't support that. I don't jack with that. Yeah, so if we could not, <laughs> if we could not do that again, that'd be really, really nice. Because we did that for like 15 years and uh, it didn't necessarily go well. I will say this, and I, I'm probably going to sound super like gatekeepery. The only issue that I have with a lot of like modern witch talk is treating a lot of these deities like they're like your college roommates. And they're not supposed to be. They're not yeah. supposed to be. Uh, That's... That's there's, a problem that I have. There's there's a lot of danger with witch talk, and I'll throw that out there. This isn't meant to be an endorsement. Um, there are a lot of people who are gatekeepery on there who are like, well, you have to do it this way. Yeah, and yeah. or you have to do this. But there's also not a lot of information about shielding yourself, yeah, casting I think circles, I, doing any I kind think of that's protection. Why I don't work. hate the gatekeepery. Like that's a, like okay so if but you i mean there's anything, a difference between yeah um a 40 year witch saying hey mm-hmm. this is what you need to do to protect yourself oh yeah but like a 20 year old girl boss yeah, yeah totally. a 20 year old girl boss who has been doing it for a week and has 15 deities and you're like those aren't deities yeah absolutely like that's sort of where i if you've read anything that i write on my blog around fan Nation, you know i have very very mixed feelings about like gatekeeping like as a generalized concept because to me like gatekeeping does exist for a reason like it doesn't have to be a force of evil it can very much be a force for positive especially within fan communities and i think like that should apply in religion like i don't have a lot of nice things to say about the catholic church but i do like their idea that like no human beings need to be as separate from the word as possible because we're too dumb to understand it if just given the bible to run free with we're gonna make bad decisions and we have (laughs) like a lot of people gave the church a hard time for that i don't know i've seen y'all use jesus to rationalize a lot of things maybe that's not a terrible idea that not every unwashed tom dick and harry needs to be able to say well jesus said we should go back to owning the blacks so i will give a little credence to that idea i do like the ability to study myself but i will also say we have so many crappy translations at this point in time um just some of the stuff that comes across where so just to be free and clear here um, I'm also an audiobook reviewer, and a lot of the audiobooks that I review are um, Christian living books. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, there is so much bullshit in those books. It is a justification for so, so many things, mm-hmm. like just mistranslations of the Bible, misquoting, um, using things out of context. I mean, I will tell you that the passage that drives me crazy is the whole thing about, um, you know, that women must submit to their husbands. Well, we tend to forget the next thing, which is in that particular case, the husband better be protecting the wife from certain death. 
Like mm -hmm. there are translations where it's like, you guys are a team. We're doing certain things for certain reasons, but that part gets left out. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the Bible, and, and you know this from, from being Catholic, and um, you have entire sections of the Bible that Protestants don't have. We call that the Apocrypha. We act like it's no big deal, but it's like there are entire passages and things there that you know Protestants don't know about, and mm -hmm. so there are certain cultural aspects that we have completely missed out on and been like, you know what? I'm going to write a how-to living book about how to communicate with Jesus. Um, I'm a pastor's wife, and I'm here three days a week. Like, and some of them are great. Okay, some of them are very well researched and some of them are very kind and loving and wonderful to people. I love Jen Hatmaker. I love, um, I can't think of her name, of course not. The, Nadia Bowles-Weber, adore her. Um, these are women who have come out pretty much blatantly and said, we have no problem with gay people. You know, God is love. That's the whole point. You know, you're supposed to be loving your neighbor and being kind to one another. And no, we're not throwing in that caveat of, Oh, well, they're sinning. Guess what? We're all sinning. Everything's horrible. Like, find ways to be kind. I love those kind of authors, but unfortunately, mm -hmm. there are so many that are like, I completely submit to my husband, whatever he tells me to do. And I sit there and I go, in a culture where there is still so much domestic violence, like, I have heard so many stories of women who have been told, you need to stay with your husband, even though he beats the mm -hmm. shit out of you, because that's what God wants. That's not what God wants. Yeah, that's not what... Also, we have to understand the Bible was written, like, conservatively thousands of years ago huh? uh, by people who don't have things that we do. Technically, we're all sinners because we wear clothes made of two different fabrics. Uh-huh. Uh, so, <laughs> it's just, the bar's on the floor, people. Like, you're already... Check your clothes. Is that a blend to here's, hell? Here's the ultimate goal. Don't be a dick. Yeah, just don't be a dick. Don't hurt anyone unless they want to be hurt. Like, it's just not worth it. Um, okay. We have one more note on the outline. So this uh, Nakaya practice, this is um, not something we're going to go super into, but it's mm -hmm. basically the rights and practice to communicate with the dead in mm -hmm. Hellenistic tradition. And this is something that um, Circe teaches Odysseus how to do. So we can mm -hmm. go talk to the... Um, what's interesting in a lot of cultures is this kind of death divination was mm -hmm. usually reserved for women, um, especially like later on in Norse tradition. Initially in Norse tradition, you know, it was both sides, you could both do it. But over time as Christianity spread it, was considered to be more of a womanly art. Now that's again in the Norse practice, mm -hmm. in the Greek practice that you kind of see that as well. Um, but it's fascinating to me that this is included just because like, hey, we're gonna go talk to the dead. And they and mm -hmm. the fact that he goes and he, he has to speak to Circe and be like, okay, tell me all your secrets. How do I do this? Um, anyway, I just thought that was cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, <clears throat> we'll get, we'll probably have like a lot of cool uh classics resources that i'll probably add to when i'm more sober um <laughs> that i'll add to after some fucking pasta are you getting but... your trough from carabas fuck yeah <laughs> okay fuck so yeah. there's not a whole lot of notes in the about the text and homer because well mm -hmm. we have a hard time finding solid facts about this 
Um, we do. It's attributed to Homer, but we don't actually have proof that he wrote it. The first mentions of Homer are, you know, a long time after he lived. Um, there are rumors yeah. that he was a blind poet. We don't have any proof of that, other than mm -hmm. the fact that he, like, kind of writes himself into the story as, you know, Theresius. Um, mm -hmm. We don't know that he was actually blind. One of the reasons that this description or these descriptions of the Trojan War, his version and what happens after are so popular is mm -hmm. that they were some of the only works to survive the burning of the Library of Alexandria. So there may mm -hmm. have been tons of other versions of the story, but this is the one that stayed around. And mm -hmm. like we were talking about, um, this started off as an oral poem. So this was something that different poets called rhapsodes would perform. Um, mm -hmm. They were usually stitching the story together. And you'll see that there's, um, until it was officially written down and, and saved, things would happen in different orders. You know, you could have Polyphemus be closer to the end or at the beginning. Um, you could have Circe be at the very end or the very beginning. Like you can move stuff mm -hmm. around. Um, and then once that got written down, they kind of locked it into place. Um, you see certain phrases over and over and over again, the wine dark sea, rosy fingers of the dawn. And this is because mm -hmm. these were kind of placeholders for the performer to go, okay, what's happening next? What am I putting next? How is this going on? Um, so you'll see that a lot. I did include a really cool video in our show notes about um, why it's called the wine dark sea and not like the blue sea, why there's nothing describing that. There was a belief for a short period of time that uh, ancient peoples couldn't see colors the way that we do. That has since been proven to be bullshit. Um, but most of it is the concept of the fact that they didn't have certain words for things. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, for example, just to kind of use the example they use, pink is actually a shade of red. But because we have created pink as a concept, we see pink differently than we see red. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of, they did, for most cultures that they've been able to achieve, they have the concept of black and white very soon. Okay. Um, immediately after that is a concept of red. And then you get like a yellow and a green. And then that's when you get blue. Because a lot of times that blue concept is wrapped up into green. Um, and so once they have you, you as a culture have those words for it, you see it differently, um, mm -hmm. which is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, also, go ahead and take a look at some of those cool uh, resources about how basically the rich white elite told everyone that marble statues from Greece and Rome were all marble and white rather than <laughs> what they really are, which is like a child on lsd had adored the explorer coloring book yeah and then painted everyone like drag queens mm -hmm. uh which is one of my favorite things right now in art history is realizing that like oh fuck these weren't white these were these were real bright looking these look like uh, sunday at drag brunch yeah they, they they did not look like how we thought they did uh, so those are some fun conversations about like class and elitism and frankly race uh, in uh, art because them having like a skin tone then implies that they had a skin tone and it wasn't porcelain or alabaster. <laughs> so what's kind of crazy to think about too is the Odyssey hasn't always been easily accessible to English speaking peoples. Mm-hmm. The Odyssey wasn't even published in English until 1614. Now, when our mm -hmm. minds were like, well, it's 2021, you know, like that's that's a long time ago. But 
think about how old this play is and how, or not play, how old this uh, performance is and how long it took us to get it. Um, the Iliad and the Odyssey are both attributed to Homer, but there are actually mm -hmm. a lot of scholars who believe that they're written by different people, but we can't mm -hmm. nail down when and where these books were written. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. And that's kind of one of the reasons classicists are like, oh, it was Homer. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Call it a day. I mean, like, that's fair. I mean, we, people do that. Like, the, the classics are weird because we say all of these authors did things. The only thing that matters is that there was a Greek comedian who died because an eagle dropped a tortoise shell on his head and it killed him. The eagle did not find him funny. That's, again, things Amanda just knows. <laughs> there was a Greek comedian who died because an eagle dropped a tortoise shell on him. Also, the origin of the word uh, ostracize. Oh. Do you know that one? No. So in ancient Greece, uh, there was this thing that they did where if there was someone that they didn't like in the town, they could uh, go through this process called ostracon, where you write someone's name on a shard of pottery. And if a person got enough votes, uh, they got kicked off the island. Like they were banished. And there was this one dude, he was such a nice guy and uh, everyone hated him for being a nice guy. Cause you know, I guess he was too much of a fucking Chad and all the betas didn't want him hanging around. I don't know. Um, and he saw someone writing his name on one of the ostracon. And he, and he asked, like, you know, why are you writing this person's name down? And he said, and the dude said, because I'm so tired of hearing about all the good things that he did. Damn. So the guy actually writes his own name on the ostracon and he gets ostracized. So that's how we get ostracized is that it was actually like a tradition. So what you're saying it has nothing to do with ostriches. It probably has something to do with ostriches and they were food. <laughs> Both hosts are tired. I'm excited to see some of your, your research because I went a little bit crazy with YouTube videos this round. Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, okay. Tori, did you have to... Uh, did we have to... Did you have to read this when you were in school? We had a version of it that we did in ninth grade, kind of like you were talking about. We had a, a shorter version that was mm -hmm. used. Um, mm -hmm. And then we watched, like, in the 90s, they released a version of it that had uh, Vanessa, was it Vanessa Carlton? As, like, Calypso. So What's my brain will never not picture, like, the former Miss America, like, as Calypso. Mm -hmm. um, which makes it a little hard sometimes because you're like, I'm trying to imagine this in a Greek setting, but also she's pretty. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to figure out where my draft went for something. Also, um, there's a Wishbone episode for this. I know I need to add it. I haven't put that in yet. And there is a part where Wishbone like draws the bow and it's very cute. I uh, remember watching that as a kid and being like, <gasps> this dog is fucking magic. Uh, yeah, I definitely have read this, like, abridged, also failed classics major. I've had to read this entirely too many times, uh, including the Wishbone episode, which is the greatest thing on earth. And I do think the funny thing is, you know, 
we get this idea that, you know, that you have to read this to really have, have absorbed this into our culture, but our culture Mm-mm. uses these stories over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Animaniacs recently did an episode where they covered part of the Odyssey um, and they had Donald Trump as Polyphemus and this is my island. This is a great island. This is the best island. And it was, it was painful to watch, but it was there. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, and it's in, you know, different songs. Steely Dan has a song that's written from Odysseus's perspective. Like this permeates to the very center of Western culture a lot of times. So anyhow. Well, it, it does because of romantic writers like fucking Lord Byron and Percy Shelley. Like it didn't always, they had their own fucking propaganda to make it sound like men were great. Canterbury Tales, cough. Um, they did. You hate Chaucer, don't you? I don't like Chaucer. Um, I do. Amanda and Chaucer have a beef. They're having uh, a fight. But yeah, like it, it really got touted and puffed up because of like Lord Byron and stuff like that. That fucking dandy everything is byron's fault everything is lord byron's fault if you have a problem like if you go stub your toe after this it's lord byron's fault one of the things that i saw recently was this whole thing of like oh hg wells was the first science fiction writer and everybody is coming forward uh, what are you talking about um my my personal favorite has been the mary shelley didn't have to endure an entire trip with lord byron to be ignored as the mother of (laughs) science fiction and i'm like yeah. <laughs> Amanda wrote that. That's something Amanda wrote. Uh, so our next book is up to Tori because it is <laughs> her birth month. I know you're all going to be surprised that I chose something Russian. Tori. Amanda's got this face. It's a short one. Okay. So I am doing um, a Pushkin book. We are doing um, with, you hear Americans pronounce it as Eugene Onegin. Um, i heard other people in Russia pronounce it very differently so that maybe pronunciation may change next episode but it's a prose book written in verse it's fairly easy to understand and then I get to talk about Pushkin being involved in a duel so I think it works great for me okay I I'll I'll, I'll accept it it is your birth month uh Tori where can the good people find us so we're all over social media because of course we are we're millennials Mm -hmm. Um, we're on Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook, Unfortunately RR on Twitter, Unfortunately Required on Instagram, and if you just want to go to one place, UnfortunatelyRequiredReading.com. And we do mm-hmm. also have our email address if you want to email us. I do check it, promise. Um, it's UnfortunatelyRequiredReading at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, it is Small Business Saturday here in the U.S. Uh, feel free to visit our Redbubble. Uh, Amanda will be feverishly updating the store with designs because uh burnout but i'll be working on getting some of the design backlog up and you are welcome to monetarily support this show uh at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading this is the time where we thank our current patrons and sponsors thank you for helping us keep the metaphorical and physical lights on thank you very much because we're going into our third round of renewing our website and we Woo-hoo. would not be able to um, do this easily without y'all. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're very appreciative. Um, yeah, the pandemic is not over just because you're over it. Get your boosters. Uh, 
just because I complained about it doesn't mean that I didn't do it, which is, I think, the uh, entire point of being an adult is you can complain all you want. You still have to do it. Yeah, I always heard the thing, if you don't vote, you lose your right to complain. And that I goes for a lot of other things, too. Absolutely. Uh, especially with the holidays coming up. Uh, be safe. Be careful. Don't be a dick. Be nice to retail people. Like, I can't believe that I still have to keep saying that, but like, they're going through a lot. The supply chain is fucked. Everything is more expensive. Cracker Barrel serves sangria? It, that was, I think, one of the most shocking things because I feel like at this point in time, we're just going to have like uh, Bill Murray screaming, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Oh, uh, so next time Tori and I are together, it's going to be us getting turned at the local Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I never thought we'd be able to do. I that sounds like the perfect experience. It's just getting like turned to Cracker Barrel, and then you just like soak up all the alcohol of biscuits. I mean, yeah, that's what Southern people have been doing for like a hundred years at least. What I think is uh, funny is now they're just going to sell like more stuff out of their shop now because people are going to be drunk. That is, they have a really cute Harry Potter collection. Accurate, like they're. I, this is how I know I'm old. The stuff in their store went from being a dystopian nightmare to I would have that bird-shaped cookie jar in my house. It's funny because that's how I know I'm old is I went from having like a panic attack in those stores and thinking what the re-drummond basic ass bullshit to now being like, I like this bird sculpture. These salt and pepper shakers are unique. Also, those wood wick candles that have like the wooden wick and they snap, crackle, pop. Really fucking like those. Ooh, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, wood wick candles. They're a thing. Love those. Today and Tori and Amanda are old. <laughs> are old gay witches. Candles. Somebody's all like, I heard, a, I heard a younger generation person say something with chuggy. And I had to actually look it up, and I was like, "Wrong with being chooky?" Yeah, like that sounds really pleasant, actually. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? But My uh, mom just learned her lesson about looking stuff up on Urban Dictionary. Oh no, sweetheart! She used to just do that, so she would try to understand what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, it, one of them came back to bite her, and she goes, "Don't look it up." So I didn't look it up. But my husband, who was sitting next to me at Thanksgiving, immediately looked it up. He goes, oh, God, I wish I could unsee that. And um, yeah, that was that was me on like Reddit in the early days. Also, I can tell that I'm not old because I just got a push notification from the local sex shop saying that they extended their cyber skill. <laughs> Support your local sex shops. They're amazing. They're really good for education. They're, oh my God, San Antonio has a local sex shop called Sexology, not yet a sponsor. They have a little vibrator museum in the back of like historic vibrators. They're amazing. They are queer positive, sex positive, female positive. They're so good. They're and living like, the, the message of don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's also a lot of things that are dick shaped. Um, don't be a dick, but you can use something that looks like one. Yeah, and like there's actually to not produce envy, like for like the female aesthetic, there's like no pinups or porn in there because beauty is everyone. Like 
we're all sexy. I love it. Go shop sexology if you're of age in, in the city. Uh, your hosts are going to go to bed now because it's almost dark. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. I mean, it's, it doesn't help that it's been raining, but... Oh my God, yeah. So, uh, yeah, go get your boosters, take care of yourselves, and uh, we will see you when we record for Tori's birth month. Woohoo! Bye!